what is your product doing in means of addressing the social emotional needs of your users? The worst thing is when you as a teacher, you're struggling with a product yourself as a teacher, delivering it to the students. And then you just see your students crying behind their screens. And so that's something I would challenge maybe some of these products. Welcome to the UX of EdTech podcast, an exploration of user experience in the EdTech space. I'm your host, Alicia Kwan, and I look forward to learning with you today. So today I'm chatting with Danielle Rivera, a second grade teacher who's on her ninth year teaching. She's a grade level chair and an EdTech guru who loves to use her creativity to inspire her young students and give them a wide variety of opportunities to flourish in the classroom or virtually as of late. She holds her master's in curriculum and instruction, and she's here to chat with me about the challenges she's facing using EdTech tools amidst the pandemic and this distance learning situation. So hi, Danielle. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm so glad to, to talk to you. How was school this week? Oh, it's challenging. <laughs> loaded question. Loaded, loaded question. Yes. Challenging. But you know what? We got through it. So that's the positive. When you say challenging, um, in what ways? Um, no, that's a big well, question. Right. Like for for you personally or, you know, what makes it so challenging? So, of course, you're, you're distance learning right now. Yeah. So it's multifaceted. So I'm just going to start spewing out a few things. And then um, so I would want I want to say communication is always, you know, challenging. Um, you know, some parents are more. Um, in tune than others, and that's normal, right, in a normal classroom setting. So that can be a challenge. Um, another challenge is connectivity, like internet, and um, mm -hmm. a challenge that's really more, that I see more uh, important that I want to prioritize is the social emotional of my students um, in regards to um, just kind of having to do things online and the frustrations of whether it's connectivity or even a platform, you know, these platforms are new to them and I'm not there to physically assist them. All of my um, assistance is, you know, from over a phone call or, you know, virtually um, seeing what's on their screen and kind of walking them through it. And so I think that's hard and challenging and, you know, every parent is um, has a different, I guess, range of expertise when it comes to technology. So that's another challenge. And then also just student support at home. So some of these kiddos are home, well, not completely home alone. They're home alone with like a high school sibling. And so I, that was a lot that I just share with you. That was my challenge say, for this Just a week. few things. Mm -hmm. Just a few things. That's, so. Yeah, so much to, to think about as a teacher. And I know that's just kind of scratching the surface. You know, you could go a lot deeper with those things. It's absolutely it's just so much to think about. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. So you have already been kind of known on your campus for using technology in the classroom and using that with students. Um, as background, can you explain the role of tech for you as a teacher? And let's say, even like kind of leading up to um, before the school closures, just what that role of tech was for you? Yeah, so um, technology is just kind of something that I've been interested in. And actually, fun fact, when I went to, you know, get my credential, I taught not utilizing um, technology. And then I was out of teaching for a little bit because of the recession and what have you, there weren't any teaching jobs. Anyways, with that said, I then came on to 
um, the job that I have now, this teaching position, and they were a 21st century learning school. They were a Google school. And mm-hmm. so all of a sudden, I was thrown into this deep end of having to learn how to teach with technology. And so, I mean, back back in that day, it was like using a smart board and using what's called a... <laughs> What do they call? It? They called it an Elmo or like a dock cam, I right. guess is what mm-hmm. it would be. But you know, I was used to like, I mean, this this might date me a little bit, but like I was using transparencies or I was using like a projector, yeah. you know, and so I was using a whiteboard, you know, and right. so that definitely like pushed me. Um, and thankfully, you know, I was interested in technology, so I just you know dove in the, into the deep end and just went at it. And so um, I was our site's um, oh, I can't remember the position off the top of my head, but basically I provided like text, somewhat tech support with just different platforms that the district would purchase. So mm-hmm. all the different programs. Um, so that was pretty fun. And then I would collaborate with all of the different representatives from the different schools from our district and we would collaborate and learn things and then go back and like train teachers and, you know, assist teachers. And so that was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as for in my personal um, classroom, you know, it's, it's now become this passion of mine to utilize technology um, to help, you know, with instruction to be more efficient, more engaging, more fun for the students and the teacher alike, you know. And so, um, yeah, so my master's and my quote, not dissertation, I forgot what they call it now, but um, it was in regards to writing and how technology can increase writing scores. So we utilize hmm. like the Google suite and just giving instant feedback. And so mm-hmm. it, it, it was successful. So it was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, so with that background, then, you know, coming into, you know, March 2020, um, how, how did you how are you able to respond to the sudden closures? Um, and then how are you able to kind of help maybe your colleagues and things like that? Yeah. So let me first distinguish the difference between distance learning in March and distance learning now. Yeah. So uh, there were different variables to uh, last school year. So last school year, I was sharing a teaching contract because, you know, I just had a baby. And so um, I was team teaching. Um, However, and here was the thing that was also a nice, I don't even want to say challenge, but we can say challenge. A nice challenge was I was a little bit more tech savvy and she wasn't. So that was a nice contrast. And I think that we really complemented each other. So when I, when it was my turn teaching, you know, I was all about training my students to be very well versed with Google suite and with all of our other different, you know, um, digital platforms. So then when we went into, when we started distance learning in March, when this pandemic all kind of spiraled out of control, it was easier because I didn't have to train my students um, on how to use these platforms. Mm -hmm. And then, so now let's fast forward to now, you know, there's some developmental things, you know, that you normally have to kind of overcome in a normal classroom setting and added, and then adding on having to train them how to use these digital platforms. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's been quite interesting, but you know what, kids are resilient. And I think, you know, depending on the culture that you set, um, it makes a difference. And they've just been so resilient and so open and willing to try. And we've definitely, like, growth mindset is, like, huge mm-hmm. for us right now. <laughs> definitely. With, um, I'm just thinking of, you know, so second graders having to, like you said, figure these things out without having the background of already knowing you and having all that practice in class. Yes. So yeah, totally different situation um, coming into it in the fall. So let's talk about, we talked a little bit before we started recording the context of this, you know, companies um, and ed tech consultancies, they're um, 
thinking about how to design products for our, our current moment, you know, and education is changing um, rapidly. And I don't think it's a temporary thing. Um, of course, we hope that um, the current situation will shore up, but I think that education will be uh, changed in some kind of way permanently. You know, there's going to be some type of shift after all of this is said and done. And so I'm curious from your perspective, I'm going to just kind of give that wide open question of what challenges have you had using EdTech tools just even in the last couple of weeks? So you've been in class uh, two weeks now? Um, we are, at, we've been in class for a month now. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. given the first month, how's it, how's it going? How's it been? And, you know, feel free to even bring up specific tools if they come to mind. Yeah. Um, well, first things first, you know, you did mention like, we're going to come out of this more, you know, with mm -hmm. more advanced or what have you. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's been something that I've been trying to make it as a forefront kind of I guess idea or priority for my school district for years and I think after this they're going to look back and say yeah no this is very important and one of that is um one that thing the idea mm -hmm. is scaffolding techno like technological skills for our students mm. um and what I mean by that is having almost like a scope of sequence a vertical articulation be from kindergarten to, you know, 12th grade, scaffolding all of these skills that build upon each other. So, you know, we're starting to train our kindergartners this so that they're prepared for first grade. So treating technology like it's a subject, basically, mm -hmm. um, because we're in the 21st century, right? Like, there's skills and tools that it, it kind of builds upon each other. So sure. um, with that said, I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? I kind of segued there for, for a second. No, that's great. Um, it's making me think about a lot of things. So yeah, treating technology like a subject. And that being said, um, what challenges, because that's not being mm -hmm. scaffolded, what challenges are you facing? Using yeah, so challenges is like, it. some of the challenges I'm facing is that all of my students are coming in with a different technological skill set. So some kids are more, you know, tech savvy when it comes to Google Slides. They know how to use um, Google Slides a lot more fluently. Now, I will say, since, you know, distance learning, like we've, us teachers have had to learn how to use Google Slides um, in a way that we've never thought to use them before. Um, so what I mean by that is a lot of our lessons um, are now more interactive using Google Slides where students are able to manipulate things. So for example, if we're doing a phonics activity where they need to create words with a short A sound, we have we've created a slide where there's lots of different tiles of different letters, right? And then it's like, okay, I'm going to share out this slide. Oh, we're on Google Meets. Okay, boys and girls, go ahead and go on the, the chat bar. And then I put the link of whatever that Google side that we're going to work on. And now it's live. And it's like, okay, little Johnny, go ahead and make a word with a short A. So he manipulates. He's able to move those blocks, right, mm -hmm. and manipulate the letters to create cat. Awesome, Johnny. Okay, little Jenny, go ahead and create another word. And so mm -hmm. you, you get the idea. So we've had to learn how to be innovative and how to create things like that. Um, the challenge then is some kids don't know how to drag an object from one part of the screen to the other. So um, things like that, that's just kind of something that popped up in the top of my head. Um, the soft skills of, of um, using, using the Google suite, kind of like, you know, learning how to cut things and glue things, you know, and you right. so that you can do it later. That's sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, and that, it, I mean, it also, you know, every teacher is coming from a different place, a different um, starting point, you know, and so you're kind of getting the same with your students. And so um, it's kind of funny because I, 
that same activity. It was like create short A and short I sounds. Well, when I created the letter blocks, I only had one. Oh, I said create three short A words and three short I words. And I only created one short I, like a card. And so like, you know, half my class is like freaking out. And then we came back on to the meet because it was the independent work and we came back on the meet. And I was like, guys, I'm so sorry. So if you can only imagine, I am now then going into Google Classroom because um, this particular thing was I assigned it to them and then they have to turn it in. So I'm going into every single student's slides and cutting and pasting a bunch of letter I's. (laughs) And then when we came back, you know, I was like, I'm so sorry, you guys, whatever. And then my, some of my students are like, oh, it was no big deal, Mr. Vera. I just cut, I just did control C. I clicked on the I, I did control C and then control V, control V, and it created a bunch of eyes. And I was like, wonderful. (laughs) These are seven-year-olds, you know, these are little seven-year-olds. And so I was so proud. So awesome. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. They know the shortcuts now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Training them. That's awesome. So, okay. If you could talk to the UX team of, let's say, um, one of your favorite tools, whether it's Google or Flipgrid, something like that. If you could talk to the UX team for that tool, what would you want them to know based on maybe <sighs> current experiences? Well, what would I want them to know and what would I want them to do? I guess that's two very different things. What I would like for them to do, I'll do that first, is I would like for them to talk to teachers Mm -hmm. (laughs) and ask us what we need, you know, Um, and not, you know, and I would say a variety of different teachers and, you know, different types of communities, um, socioeconomic, economic stratas, you know, um, that would be good. Um, What would I like them to know? Um, let's say they were talking to you like mm-hmm. this conversation is going to go to fill in the blank whoever you want it to go to maybe it's whatever you've used the most in the last month yeah I mean I would like them to first of all especially with distance learning I think creating tutorials, not only for teachers specifically, but creating them for parents Mm -hmm. and even creating them for students. Um, Another thing I would like for them to know is that it is very difficult to show your students how to use something like their product when you can't show them a student's perspective, if that makes sense. It does make sense. So, right? So, for example, um, you know, I I love the Google Suite. Um, It's been amazing, a lifesaver to me. If I can, for Google Classroom in particular, if I could speak to Google, this is what I would tell them. Can can you make me a demo student account? Or is that, you know, something I can do? Because I'm trying to teach little seven, some of them are still six, six, seven-year-olds, how to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you know, so they, there's another program we use where they do their spelling tests. And then once they're done, they have to download a report onto their Chromebooks, right? And then I need to show them how to go into Google Classroom, go into Classwork, click on the assignment, right? And then upload the assignment and then turn it in. And so that's very difficult when I either have to use another student's account to show them, um, but I really wish there was just a demo account where I can teach my students how to do that and demonstrate. And it's not just Google. There's a ton. I want to say almost every single (laughs) platform we've used, there is just not a demo account. I will say ST Math does have a student. I mean, like a yeah, a student mm-hmm. demo account, which is nice. Um, and there are a few of others. I shouldn't say every, but pretty much 85, 90% of the um, platforms that are out there does not have a, you know, student demo account. Right. So you mentioned ST Math. Um, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd love to talk about that program. I hear so many awesome things about it. Um, and I 
in another episode, I've talked to one of their lead UX researchers um, for for the program. But from your perspective now, um, what's it like? Would you say it's a good example of digital learning? Um, Are there any challenges or is it, you know, just a shining example? Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts on ST Math? Yeah, so ST Math specifically, um, the way the program was designed, I believe, was to exercise and use a specific part of your brain. Um, so the whole program is has no language. So there aren't any instructions that you read. Um, it, a lot of it is trial and error, right? And it's for the visual learners. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually your high performing students, you know, they're your friends that can read. They're your friends that can audit- auditorily receive instruction and produce a product, right? And then your low performing students usually struggle with those very things. Now in ST, in ST Math, what I found having used that program for I want to say maybe six years now, I've seen my high performing students struggle and I've seen my low performance students being very successful. Mm. So it's very refreshing to see a program that I, you know, and I don't know if they intentionally catered to, you know, my low performing students, but it's so awesome to see the victory in those students. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side with your high performing students, there's so many lessons they're having to learn outside of the conceptual, the math conceptual lessons that ST math is teaching. It's teaching my high performing students that, oh, this is what it feels like to have to stretch myself. (laughs) Um, and so it's been great. You know, we've you I've honestly, it's a great program and I've used it for a lot of social type of lessons as well um, within our classroom culture. So that's been great. But in regards to the program itself, again, it's nonverbal. It's all visual. Um, I will say it's challenging even for me as an adult. And I've had to, like a student will come up and say, I just can't pass this level. And so Gigi is the penguin in ST Math. That's kind of their their mascot. And I'm like, and they, you know, say, I can't pass this. You know, I need help. Gigi, Gigi's not helping me pass this level. And so then I'm, and then I try it myself. And I'm like, holy Toledo, this thing is hard. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm learning that my brain isn't, you know. And so um, it's great because it pra- it really works out that muscle, that part of your muscle in your brain, you know, and so um, I've had to rely on students. And can I mean, you can only imagine how that makes them feel mm. like, oh, my teacher doesn't know how to do this. And I do, mm. you know, and so. Um, so yeah, it's been great. The nice thing too, about ST math is it's not super constraining in the sense where like, okay, this is the order, this is our scope and sequence, follow it. The Mm -hmm. nice thing about it is you can kind of align it with your current math pacing guide in means of like uh, standards you're covering, or you can make it even as a review of past things. Um, And so it's just another way for them to, another avenue to enforce enforce or reinforce, you know, a particular standard in math. So it's been great. And then it also produces data. Now I will say the data on the data interface on ST math can be a little bit tricky to read. Um, you definitely have to spend some time learning and I believe they have training videos. The program does have training mm-hmm. videos, but it's not like easy on the eye where it's quick and maybe that's part of you know part of it you Mm -hmm. know it's like the teacher um perspective of what that looks Mm -hmm. like it's also fairly visual I mean there it has numbers too but um it's it's just different okay well Mm -hmm. I mean it sounds it sounds really awesome and the teachers that I I didn't get to use it myself but the teachers that I've talked to that have used it um, all have really positive things to say about it. And I'm wondering if um, that's connected to how ST math was developed. So, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're coming from Mind Research Institute, which is 
yes know, just this giant um ux research type of machine and and so a lot of what they produce is developed from just tons and tons of hours spent in the field you know talking exactly what you said talking to teachers watching students seeing what it is they actually need giving them prototypes so that they can test and then um basically changing based off of teacher feedback, which I just, I love. And I think that that's probably why this product is so successful. Um, and it probably should be um, a pretty good example for other products that are out there is my thought. So um, yeah. another, another thing I want to talk about is um, when it comes to communication. So now that you're, you know, obviously you can't just look out into your classroom and walk around and, communicate with your students they're in their own homes so how has that been when you're trying to utilize different tools different apps whatever it is that you're using how has that been to communicate do you use like google meet as something that just kind of is the overarching that's going on in the background and that's how you communicate um you know even let's say during um, an ST math session, can you communicate with them directly? Or um, yeah, do you want to just maybe give some examples of that? I'm, I'm curious because, and I'll give background here real quick and then hear from you. Um, when I was finishing up the year in the spring, um, we were um, utilizing different apps. And something that was really tough for me is that I wanted to, even one of the games we were playing, I wanted to give them you know, in-game feedback. And what was happening was, since that wasn't a feature, is I would, you know, type to them through Google Classroom and we kind of had an ongoing thread there and then hoping that they were savvy with switching back and forth between tabs, you know, to kind of see what we're talking about and then going back to the app itself that didn't have like a, a texting or audio feature or anything to it. Um, it was assumed that you're all in the same room together. Um, and so that was difficult. You know, I know some people use Remind and they're having their ongoing conversation through the Remind app and then they're doing their things elsewhere. Um, how's, how's it been? I, I'm hoping that more um, apps and places will add more communication features given our situation now. Yeah, um, that, I mean, that obviously sounds really ideal um, because you know, with, you know, with distance learning, you have so many tabs open. <laughs> so there's just so many programs, right? So I've got my Google slide open. I've got, oh, I got to have my attendance open because, you know, you know, every district has their attendance policies and, you know, we're often on Google meets, Google meet is open, you know? And so, um, and then you have a program, you know, that's open and then you have to have another program open, right? Because you're just trying to communicate all things. Oh, and not let's not forget, I have to have another tab open for my communication with parents, you know. And so um, there's just so many tabs. So imagine the connectivity. Your poor Internet is just <laughs> taking up so much of the broadband, right? So anyways, back to communication, you know, there's communication with parents and then there's communication with students. Communication with parents, we use a program called Parent Square. Parent Square is like an Instagram meets maybe even a little Facebook, maybe not so much Facebook, but, um, and then also a texting feature, messenger feature, like kind of all those things. Okay. Um, so that's been great. So if little Johnny during independent time isn't, or, or let's say little Johnny isn't at the meet, I am now multitasking hmm. and opening up my app. And it's like, little Johnny's mommy, little Johnny's not on the, you know, meet. Is everything okay? You know, and so... There's that aspect, and then now the student communication aspect. So thankfully, our district has purchased something called GoGuardian. GoGuardian has been the biggest lifesaver um, throughout this whole distance learning. Hmm. So would you mind if I ex expand on that product yes. real quick? Yes. And I, I am not sponsored. <laughs> expand. <laughs> I'm not sponsored. I'm not, you know. So anyways, here we go. So GoGuardian is 
an amazing product because so for example our kids were issued their chromebooks we are we're a one-to-one device we are a google you know school so we use a google suite suite so here we go go guardian then allows me remotely to see what is on their screens and what tabs they have on their screens mm-hmm. mind-blowing so i use this actually before distance learning i use this as when okay i'm a little bit controlling when <laughs> i have a sub sometimes i'll check in on there and see what they're doing <laughs> or how they're doing you know and so um which has been instrumental for the subs, um, I'm sure maybe frustrating for the other subs. So anyways, it's cool because let's say, poor little Johnny, we're always using his name. Let's use another name, Jake. Let's say Jake, right, is not where he's supposed to be. He's on a different tab. Let's say YouTube. I can close his tab for him. (laughs) Now he's probably freaking out like, why are my tabs closing? What have you? And then I can open a tab for him on what he's supposed to be on. (laughs) And then there's a chat feature where I can say, hey, Jakey, we are working on ST math right now. And then he's like, oh, snap. (laughs) Now, um, GoGuardian was smart and they added another feature, which is like a conference call feature where I can call them through the app and then they answer. Yes, I know. Mm -hmm. Okay, now it gets even better. Ready? So uh, GoGuardian also has this thing called scenes. And what a scene is let's say between the hours of 10 to 12 you only want them on iReady that's another program you only want them on iReady nothing else you don't want them to get tempted to open a tab to go on on youtube you don't want whatever you only want them on iReady i can create a scene where um it limits their accessibility to specific websites. So let's say I want them on iReady. I can set a scene where it will only allow them to go on iReady. We can also do the reverse where I can limit them where I can set a scene where if I don't want them on, you know, YouTube, on Facebook, I mean, second graders aren't on Facebook. That's just an example. If I don't want them on four specific websites, I can block those websites and they won't be able to access them. Wow. So that's pretty cool. This is, do they have to be on a, like a Chromebook or a certain type of computer or? Yeah. So this is what I'm, this is the struggle that I'm finding from my understanding in the past, for as long as they're logged in using their Google suite, you know, email and password, I should be able to see their activity. However, for some reason, the program is, I'm finding, is only working with students that are using a school device. So I have two kids that purchase their own Chromebooks or actually one purchased their own Chromebook and then another one is working on a desktop. And for some reason, I cannot see their activity. And I think part of that is because, you know, the district Chromebooks, in order to even, you know, you turn it on and then you have to sign in into an account, right? right? In order to make anything work, they have to sign in using their username and password. So I think that's how GoGuardian works and how I'm able to see everything. Now in a regular desktop at home, you can just start using your computer. You don't have that um, sign in feature. So that's the only downside. It works really well if, you know, they're all using you know the yeah, district school computers um s- school computers so that sounds that sounds super helpful and i'm trying to think the the reason that is so helpful is you know access to students and being able to help them has kind of been taken away in a sense when you take away that physical proximity um and so right any tool that can help basically bridge the teacher to the student and give them, you know, kind of a higher level of, of access and, and control, mm-hmm. not to necessarily control only, but to basically help guide, 
you know, kind of like bumpers in the the bowling alley, you know, keep them on um, the right track. And I'm sure that that, um, that level of, of control is, is different depending on the age and depending on, you know, from kid to kid and things like that. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's two, sorry, there's two other features of GoGuardian that's great for also administrators and teachers alike. So let's say, you know, little Jake was on YouTube and he wasn't supposed to. There's actually a screenshot button that I click and it gives me a screenshot of what's on mm-hmm. his screen, which is great. You know, if you need to talk to a parent, hey, at this time, you know, so-and-so was on this. And you kind of have proof. Another thing, too, is that we're, fi- you know, kids are tech savvy. So they're learning how to erase their history and so forth. Go Guardian records their history, mm, which is great. Whether they delete it or not, you have it. So that's kind of a nice yeah. feature. And, um, yeah, Go Guardian has been helpful. Let's say I'm monitor- monitoring my students, Um and I can see that a student is struggling, I can easily just conference call them and say, hey, I'm noticing you're struggling with this problem. And so that's, that's the, you know, physical um, aspect of teaching that we're missing, that one-on-one, like you're seeing what they're mm-hmm. struggling with. And so that's been really nice to have. Hmm. Wow, that sounds, it sounds like a game changer. <laughs> Being able to have that. It honestly is. So that you can interact. So the last two days, mm-hmm. Right. The last two days, it's been kind of spotty and like all of us are freaking oh. out. Like, we can't say what they're doing. <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. It's wow. so that's so interesting. Yeah. That's, I think, like you said, it's a really good example and it's helpful. Um, it gives kind of indicators for what features would be helpful for um, other products as well. Um, when it comes to all the different apps you use, how do you, how do you manage, um, kind of making it so it's not too wide of a variety or overwhelming as far as, you know, this whole menu of, of different apps and different logins mm-hmm. that a student has to use. Um, and if you were able to kind of integrate or pull them together, ideally, you know, in an ideal world, how would you, how would you do that in what kind of ways? Yes. Yeah. So the nice thing is we do have a program that's a single sign-on which is called Clever. And Clever is basically a menu of all the different programs that we use. Um, And it's wonderful because it's like, you know, because you're right, it's hard to um, organize all the different programs you're using and then let alone imagine past logins and passwords. And so there was a time where we were teaching with technology without Clever and it was hard you know they had to have a binder with a piece of paper that Mm -hmm. says the program's name Mm -hmm. the login and the password and they had to write it down and then in addition sometimes the teacher's class code Mm -hmm. or what have you you know so clever is like I guess the Netflix of all (laughs) the different programs um so that's been nice to have Mm -hmm. and then another thing is Uh, I created a Google site for my grade level. And so that's kind of also been a great hub for parents. Um, Mm -hmm. My team and I have kind of split um, the different tasks of like, you know, we said pick pick a platform that you're going to be a champion at and then create you know, a parent tutorial for it. So we have like a menu of different tutorials for different platforms for parents. Um, So we use Screencastify for Mm -hmm. that. I don't know if you're familiar Mm -hmm. with that. So um, that's a program that we use. And I actually have my kids eventually using Screencastify um, for different things. This was before even COVID. And so it's, it's helpful. Um, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, so we've had to, yeah, and we've had to rethink assessments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have all sorts of different assessments. We have this program called iReady, and it takes a diagnostic assessment. And one of the hiccups that we experience, sorry, I'm like segueing here. Mm-hmm. One of the hiccups that we experience with iReady, so, you know, you still have to monitor them, right? You still have to proctor their testing, right? So we had them 
have their Google Meet up and then have their iReady tab of their assessment that they're taking. Now, if you can only imagine, in a classroom setting, yeah, it's distracting when the teacher is helping students while you're taking a test. That alone is distracting. But then when you have them on headphones, they hear you helping everyone in surround sound. <laughs> so that was one thing. And then it would stop the audio from their iReady test every time someone was talking on the Google Meet. Oh, goodness. So... Then, so if you can only imagine, then I had to train my kids how to go on the Google Meet, click on the three dots, and go into the settings of their headphones. And you know, and it's just, it's it's hard to teach your little seven-year-olds that. And so um, that's when we stopped proctoring that way, and we again use Go Guardian. Um, so. Wow. Sorry, no. that totally was a rabbit no, but it's, hole that I It's a good to. example of the, the fine details yeah. that you have to manage. It's a really good example. Yeah, you, you, yeah, we've definitely had to manage a lot of, you know, details and even assessments. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some assessments that you can easily just create a Google form, right? And then there's some assessments where, like, for example, for math, We've had to use Jamboard, which is like an electronic whiteboard. Um, and so we'll screenshot the problem from a test or even a worksheet. And then, we, especially, this is specifically with math, because you have to see them show their, you have to see their sh them showing your their work, right? Because sometimes you can still give them partial credit or what have you. And it's also just the way math is. You have to see the process, right? And so that's been difficult because they're now drawing with a mouse. Right. You know, and I'm sure you can imagine how that difficult that is. As it is, children's handwriting right. is right. atrocious, right? And so then to add digital handwriting, I guess you can call it. So there's definitely... A lot of different rabbit holes of challenges. Um, oh, so well. I mean, one of the goals that um, you know a UX designer is looking at is trying to make their product um, more simple to use. And so, um, I'm imagining, you know, as you're listing off the different apps that you use, um, you know, that second graders are mastering or having to master, and then the parents have to master as well, which is a whole nother, you know, conversation, of course. Um, I'm wondering, have you noticed if certain apps have a design or a basically like a design system, um, a certain look and feel to them that is similar to the next app? If Is that helpful? I, I would imagine that um, whichever one is used the most. So for example, I would assume maybe it's the Google Suite you know, is used the most mm -hmm. by, um, by someone that if other apps had similar user, um, user features to how they use the Google suite, that that would be helpful versus trying to be completely novel and unique and special, <laughs> you know, times 12, um, no, that's not always the case, you know, but mm -hmm. I'm curious if, if you agree with that or what your thoughts are with that. Um, if that would help with the, the scaffolding, I guess is what I'm saying. I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's obviously some things that translate from one to another. So, you know, things that you would use on Word, you could use skills that you would use on Word, you could use on mm -hmm. Docs, you know, Google Docs. And so in that case, yes, you know, but um, now if we're talking about one program to the next, you know, I think it's, that might be a challenge. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I could see them really um, emulating mm -hmm. one another. 
Um, so I think because every product is so different. So it takes some, um, take some imagining. Yeah. Some <laughs> definitely, definitely some innovation. Because there. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I'm thinking there's definitely, you know, it's one app is definitely set apart from the next app, you know? And so I feel like they each have their own unique abilities, you know? Yeah, striking the balance probably, um, right? You know, being unique and accomplishing whatever feature it is that the product is meant to accomplish while also being something that, you know, a student or a parent or a teacher, you know, who's overwhelmed or, okay, this is number 10 of, you know, the types of of apps that they're using and they're able to just intuitively use it or, or if there is a challenge um, involved, it's, it was meant to be a challenge. It's not, you know, um, hidden challenges just by, by design. Um, So yeah, just, I was just curious of your thoughts, something to to think about, because I know that one of the challenges right now is just everyone's hopping on to so many different tools Mm -hmm. and, um, how do you make your how do you make your product um, one that can be picked up easily? You know, um, and then yeah. the challenges come in when they're supposed to come in. You know, cognitively or for the purpose of learning and, and growing. Um, yeah, I will say the the products that are my favorites uh, tend to be the ones that are pretty you know user friendly. Um, that's one. And then the other products that I love are products that doesn't need a rep to come to train people. Okay. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? So I love tutorials um, because it allows me to access the training at my own mm-hmm. time. And let's be honest, right? When you have a rep come and they train you and it's this laborious thing, right? Um, a lot of times you forget. Right. And then when you're in a bind, you're like, wait, what did Susie, the presenter, say again? Right. You know, it's like, ah! and it's so nice to have those things at your fingertips. Right. So the products that I love are those products where I can find the answer when I need to. That so. makes sense. I agree. I, I need those tutorials on demand for sure. On demand. Um, yep. So one of the things just kind of wrapping up, one of the things that I'm kind of pulling away from our conversation is going back to the very beginning when you said um, scaffolding um, the use of, of tech tools, you know, starting kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, um, teaching that almost as a subject. I would, I would think that even if that's not formally done, um, and maybe it will be, but even if it's not formally done, um, it kind of naturally uh, or informally is done in a sense, right? Given our day and age where every teacher now at every grade level is having to teach some type of tech tool skills, you know? So that would inform um, designers and um, those who are developing these products. How can they design with scaffolding in mind where you've got um, especially those where they have a broader audience um, and wider grade level. So you've, you're designing for how is a kindergartner or a second grader going to, to pick this up? Um, and then at the same time, though, can this be flexed and used for um, the sixth grader that it's also intended for? I know not all products are like that when they have a narrow audience, but a lot of them are meant to be used by anybody, K through 12. And um mm-hmm. I'm wondering if um, that type of scaffolding mindset is is understood. So um, to kind of yeah. maybe wrap up on that note, how would you describe scaffolding um, when it comes to technology? How would you uh, – obviously, we you'd want to plan it more, but off the top of your head, you know, how would you approach that? Yeah. Um, so – you know, I think we're of the same generation. When we went to school, and yeah, when we went to school, we had computer class. I mean, we had the Oregon Trail and all that, right? Oregon Trail. <laughs> we had typing. Yeah. Oregon Trail, right? <laughs> yes. Bringing it way back. Oregon Trail and even, um, oh gosh, now I'm really getting some flashbacks with like floppy disks mm. and all that. And anyways, but uh, I'm really dating myself here. Um, no, I, I remember the lesson on how to use a floppy disk. 
I remember that too. Now there was a <laughs> floppy disk, and then do you remember the one that's softer and bigger? Mm, I think that's just you. Was oh, that the floppy disk? <laughs> okay, maybe I'm. I am a little bit older. So. Just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, okay, let's 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 move on. Um, moving forward, and we used to have a typing class. Yes, I had that too. You know, and right. So here's the thing: even if we started there. So imagine a kind, okay, so here's the products, right? When we're thinking of products and we're asking kindergartners to write their name, right? Um, They don't even know letters sometimes, you know, and then to all of a sudden expect these things, you know? So um, if I'm thinking TK Kinder, the use of a mouse, mm. you know, it like, we just have to start mm. there, you know, and then as they're learning, you know, and then doing, p- creating a product where, yeah, oh, actually, oh, here's a good one. ST Math. Okay, I'm going to go back. I mean, ST Math should really just sponsor me somehow. <laughs> but ST Math and GoGuardian, huh? So ST Math, one of the things that I love about their program, because it's visual, they get it, right? That's kind of their whole, whole shebang is the mm. visual non-language the way they do passwords is by uh, little pictures or icons yes isn't that great so um yeah it is cool right so that's kind of something to think about for some of these product designers you know like when you're asking oh like epic okay i'm not trying to (laughs) this is going to sound wrong let me not name just products when they're asking for students to log in you, or to sign up to a class using a class code and kindergartners, mm. maybe, you know, letters mm-hmm. are hard. What if they use pictures mm. instead? I like that. Like, like Mrs. Rivera's class code is tree, flower, rainbow, unicorn. <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, well, that, and you can so, apply um, that question to all sorts of things. Like, what if you use symbols or pictures? You know, right. Yeah, so, um, and then so moving forward to first grade, you know, like typing. Well, I mean, I want to start with typing, um, because you know, a lot of times. So, with my dissertation, whatever you <laughs> want to call it, um. You know, my particular study research was on writing, specifically writing, right? And I'm expecting them to know, A, how to type, right? I'm asking them to produce this writing product. But yet, in order for them to produce that, they're going to have to know where the letters are because it's not like in ABC order, right? So there's that Mm. obstacle. The second obstacle is like, oh, how do I go from a cap, a a lowercase letter to an uppercase letter? Now you're having to, you know, teach them the function of shift and then the letter, right? So things like that, um, because that will then, because now here, part of my study as well was the disconnect then is by the time I get their product, is that is that a true depiction of what they know? Mm-hmm. Right? Because they've had to have gone through all these hoops, mm-hmm. right? To mm-hmm. get through. And is the end product really a reflection of what they truly know? Right. Or is it a reflection of so, how savvy um, they are with learning um, how to use that tool? Yeah. And so just things like that. Um, I think it just starts very basic mm-hmm. in that way. Um, I feel like just how PE is a state requirement, national requirement, um, I think technology also needs to, right? Because everything that these kids, almost everything, you know, um, who doesn't type? You know, you have to type something. If you go to the DMV, right, to renew your license, you're going to have to type. You don't want to look like a chicken pecking at your keyboard, right? Like, I mean, so, I mean, just things like that. That's just, that may be a terrible example, no, uh, but. It's, it's good. It's good. And I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think something that I'm pulling from, from all of this is just um, how important it is to talk to 
educators, to talk to teachers as well as students mm-hmm. and parents. Um, because I, you know, I'm thinking from someone who's even just stepped out of the classroom, even if they have a classroom background, but they're removed from it for, you know, it's been years and years or a lot of people who are designing these products, they haven't had that experience in the classroom. And so how would you know unless you you listen, right? Unless you have these yeah. conversations, some type of research strategy. Um, and again, we talked about mind research. They obviously that is it's front and center is something that drives how they develop what they do um, is by talking to teachers yeah. and students. Um, and then others, it's it's pretty um, on the low or almost non-existent. And so something I'm taking away from this is, you know, you're you're talking about all these these nuts and bolts and details that um, the average, I think, person just would never have even thought of before. Super. Yeah. Important. And if I mm-hmm. could add one more thing for, you know, all of these different products, especially with just the state that our world is in right now, um, it would be to consider, I would ask products, you know, what is your product doing in means of addressing the social emotional needs of your users? Mm. Um, And the reason why I say that is because that is such a big component right now um, that I'm seeing um, with my students. So for an here's an example, Um, whether it's curriculum or whatever it is, like some products are including a brain break. Um, or even like, oh, I'm noticing you're getting frustrated. Oh, take a breather. Mm -hmm. You know, like things like that even, um, because I'm sorry to say this, but some of the products are, you know, just the students' frustrations. And there's obviously different layers to that. But the worst thing is when you as a teacher, you're struggling with a product yourself as a teacher, delivering it to the students. And then you just see your students crying behind their screens. Mm. And so that's something I would challenge maybe some of these products. Um, And, you know, whether that's cool brain breaks or mindfulness or breathing techniques, or even just the interface um, of their product. So whether it's user-friendly, resources, you know, of tutorials and what have you, um, just things like that, like just focusing on those fine, fine details um, to make their product that much better. Mm. So there's a lot of great products out there. Um, and so, and I know they're all trying their best. I know they're really busy and, um, you know, it's a rat race, I think. <laughs> yeah, rat race sounds about right. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, making sure that, you know, the voices of the people who are using these things, um, is heard is something that I'm super passionate about. And so thank you for taking time to to talk through these things. And I know your time is extremely valuable and precious. Um, um, thank you so much just for sharing those things and unpacking that for us. Um, how can people find and connect with you? Yeah, so um, believe it or not, okay, as quote unquote tech savvy as I am, I just can't figure out Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so not Twitter. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, I do have a teacher account. It is at Quite Dainty Classroom. So Quite Q U I T E and then Dainty D A I N T Y and then Classroom. Yep, that's where you can find me and my kiddos. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you again just for your time sharing with us your experience. And for our listeners, um, check out the show notes for ways to connect with Danielle. I'll put a link to her Instagram account. Um, there's also a link to send in a voice message to me about your thoughts on this podcast or other episodes. If you have any perspectives or stories um, that you'd like to share, please feel free to reach out. Um, that way, or find me on Twitter, Instagram at UX underscore EdTech or on LinkedIn um, as Alicia Kwan. 
This is the UX of EdTech podcast, an exploration of user experience in the education technology space. I look forward to learning with you next time.